If I can find a place to get started, I'm going to start in the very familiar passage. And then I'll kind of work my way from there. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, everybody that's been serving God longer than two weeks knows what that scripture says. I don't want us to think that we're going to launch into something that's that's mind-boggling or causes us to go, oh my God. Because what we're going to talk about tonight is as common as breathing. The scripture starts by saying this, now faith. Somebody say right now. How many like that song we sung a while ago? Yeah, Everything, every song they sung tonight's all over where we're going tonight. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Skip down to verse 6, and it says, But without faith it is impossible to, be, to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want to talk for a little while tonight about faith. But I want to end in a common thought or an, a, a, an ending thought because it's, it's common. Faith should be as common to the believer as breathing is to our body. Without breath, we don't live. Without faith, we can't please God. And I want to take this another level because I believe we're living in the last days. And as, as much time ever how you interpret that as you have been serving God. For West Courtney, I can tell you that my levels of faith have had to uh, grow and change and elevate to meet the need to stay in a victorious place in this world that we live in. Now we can play like that's not the truth if we like. But the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a fallen world. Our world is not going to fall. Our world is not, maybe it's going to get bad. It's already down. We're down for the count. And the only thing that's holding her up right now is the church of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. That's keeping us alive right now. Every, if you notice, look around. There's death all around us. But the church. Somebody say, but the church. And I want to talk for a little while on a subject of faith at another level. How many believes there's another level of faith for you tonight? How many believes you need to get to another level of faith tonight? So here we go. Faith will be persistent. When everything else has turned south. There's a scripture in Mark chapter 7 where it talks about a little woman that had a great need and she come and presented her need to the, to the Lord. And he called her a dog. Now I don't know, I don't know about y'all, that upset a walker boy. 
that would upset a Cajun. That would upset somebody that, you know, sits 30 feet up in a tree and waits for something to come by to kill it. But she didn't get upset. In Matthew 9, faith will push things through till you get to where you're going. And I'm not going to preach all of these. I'm just going to mention these and get to them a little bit later. Faith will make you climb a tree. Uh, Faith will make you cry louder when somebody's trying to shush you down. Whenever you see Jesus or somebody tells you that Jesus is coming, can I go ahead and stop right there for a second? We're talking about a blind man that heard that Jesus was coming by. I think that the church is going to find ourselves in a place that we are going to have to be the eyes and the ears for those who can't see nor hear. And whenever we, when we come across somebody or when somebody says, uh, is that Jesus? Then we're going to have to take their word for it and go ahead and cry out whether we can see him or not. And they said, hush, you need to be quiet. He said, you just tell me, is that Jesus? Yeah, that's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Shush yourself. Jesus. And we're going to have to become the eyes, the ears for those who can't hear nor see. Faith will build an ark. Faith will deny gravity. If that's you, Lord, bid me to come. Faith will stare death in the face and make it lose its grip. Faith will move the hand of God. Do you know God's hand's not moved by need? Faith moves God's hand. It's faith. It's not faith in faith. But it's faith in God. Faith will activate grace in your direction. Faith opens doors that no other door would open. Faith at another level will tear away hindrances to allow us to get to where Jesus is. I'm just getting started. Everyone in the Bible that touched Jesus, or that, wait, let me back that up. Everybody in the Bible that Jesus touched was healed. But there was a little woman that pushed her way through a crowd, and she touched him. Now, you say, well, Brother West, what's the difference in Jesus touching her and her touching him? Everybody that Jesus touched was healed. But when the the touch of faith touched him, the Bible says your faith has now made you whole. Everybody else just got healed. But every other issue she had was made whole when she put forth the effort to touch him. Now watch this. Go read it for yourself. I'm just going to tell you. Whenever she pushed through to the crowd, I don't know why this, is, this made difference to me, but it did. When she pushed through the crowd, she said, If I could but touch the hem of his garment. And when she did touch him and virtue left him, 
without his permission, his reply was, who touched my clothes? He didn't say, who touched me? He said, who touched that which is around me? Can I tell you that when we can get in the presence of God and push our way through everything we have to push our way through and move to a faith at another level, then we will get not only what we have need of, but everything else He knows He can give to us. You say, well, Brother West, are you making a big deal? Well, I don't know. She was ceremonially unclean. She wasn't even supposed to be in that crowd. She obviously was lonely because nobody could touch her. Her family couldn't be with her. her she couldn't go outside. She lived a lonely, broken life. So healing would have fixed one problem, but just like we are today, we're made up of spirit, soul, and body, and if all three of those are not uh, touched by the power of God through faith at another level, then we will still be lacking. But with us touching Him, He told her, your faith has made you whole. Somebody say faith at another level. So as I go ahead and get that was that was kind of the introduction. So let's go, let's let's look at our world for a little while today. I wrote a bunch of stuff down and I don't know how much of it I'm gonna say, but I'm I'm gonna start. Would it be safe for me to say that in the world we live in? that there are a lot of people living in a state of hopelessness. Have you ever run into anybody that was frustrated? Uh, what about people that just say, okay, this isn't working for me, I'm out. You ever heard anybody say, this isn't fair? We hear this every day. Has anybody ever been discriminated against in this room? Has anybody in here ever been threatened? How many pastors are in the house? Then you have to say yes to all of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. You say, Brother Wes, you've been threatened. I guarantee you I've been threatened. I had a guy tell me one time, this was a big boy too. This boy was probably 6'6 six, six and weighed 400 pounds. And he didn't like the answer that I, I was counseling him and his wife. And he was, he was beating up on her and stuff, so he was a mean man. And she sat there and started telling me some of the stuff that he was doing. And before I realized what I'd done, I said, I wouldn't live with you either. And she took that and went and called a lawyer. Well, in about six weeks, he showed back up at my office. And he looked at me flat, straight. He said, I'm here to drop you on your head. Just like that's what he told me. And so I listened. I tried to talk him down. and whatnot. He was a big boy. He, he was. He was a big boy. And I have a little bit of training. He used to be in law enforcement. So, you know, and I've handled folks a little bit bigger than me. But he was, he was more than I wanted to bite off to chew. I guarantee you. He looked like he could last a little while if he had to. So I was trying my best to talk him out of it, you know. And I, well, man, look, you know, I, I, I might have spoke a little quick the other day. And, you know, 
I, you know, I, I need to, I don't care, but I'm preacher, I'm here to, to, I'm here to drop you on your head. Well, you know, I, I hear you and I believe you can do it, but uh, I'd, I'd just like to explain something to you, you know, and I'm tired of talking. And so that went on for just a little while, longer. And finally, he said it again, and I did just like this. You tell him, if we're going to do this, quit torturing me and let's just go ahead and do it. But before he left there that day, he was apologizing to his pastor. And I talked to him, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, he bumped me on Instagram and told me, he said, Pastor, I, I love you. I appreciate you. And I texted him back, I'm glad. And uh, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, <clears throat> can I talk to you pastors just for a second? I want to talk to the pastors just for a second. In this feeling that we're talking about, how many of you ever have felt like you've really been taken advantage of? Go ahead. Come on. Let me see your hand. Don't, don't leave me standing up here by myself. And does it have an effect on you? Maybe not with the people that you're dealing with, but it affects you for the next time the opportunity comes to serve. And you think about the last 15 that wanted to drop you on your head. And so you have to decide whether or not I want to go ahead and do what God's called me to do. Or am I out? And I believe that any pastor in this room that's been pastoring for longer than two weeks has had to fight the feeling of discouragement. Had to fight the feeling of, you know, I'm good at heart and I'm just trying to do what's right and y'all just keep taking advantage of me and this situation and that situation and I didn't mean any harm and before you, before you realize you, you're hurt and you're not willing to engage anymore. And this is what Wes Courtney's learned. I have to begin to walk at faith at another level. Just to keep doing what God's called us to do. I, I, every now and then, we get a hole in our bucket, and Melissa and I, we'll get in my, our truck, and we'll haul out. We'll just take off driving. We've actually just drove sometimes till we had to stop at Walmart and get drawers. Any of y'all ever had to do that? It's too far to go home. We need some clean underwear. Let's stop at Walmart. Buy a toothpaste and a toothbrush. And we was on one of our drives one day, and it was, after, it was something was really going on with us, you know, like that. And I'm driving. I'm getting mad. I'm frustrated. I'm getting discouraged. I'm upset. I'm thinking, God, what am I doing? And I looked at her. I said, tell me why we do this. She said, because you said you would. <laughs> but I'm here to talk about something else, y'all. I'm here to talk about, let's step above. 
the frustration. It's time to step above the feeling like I'm disadvantaged. Let's, let's step above and do what God's called us to do. So as we enter into the 21st century, we're about 21 or so years in, and we're facing situations and trials now that we've never had to face. It seems like that the world is in great conflict. It's in disagreement. It don't matter where you go. It don't matter how far you go. It's still the same thing. I'm sure there's been times and places that has been hard and uncertain, but i got to be honest with you. I get a little uptight every now and then when I watch the news. I get a little uptight every now and then whenever more and more people quite simply just struggling. They're struggling to keep their heads above the water. You see, if we've been sent to provide the answer, and when you've got several hundred people or so that's always got an issue, you have to make sure that your cup stays full. You can't let people drink out of your cup. You can only let them drink out of the overflow that's in the saucer of the cup. You drink let them drink out of the saucer and keep your cup full. And to keep your cup full, you got to stay at another level of faith. More and more people are feeling helpless nowadays. And I've come to the understanding where there's no power for the present. If you get so tired that you can't function like we should as born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled Christians... And there's no power in us for the present. We cannot offer any hope for the future. Where there's no power for the present, there's no hope. We can't present hope. We can't give hope. We can't uh, present a better way. We just have to do what everybody else does. I'm here to declare that West Courtney is not going to let this I'm going to step, and I'm going to keep trying to step. I'm going to put my faith in God. I don't want to spend too much time in this area where I'm at, but I want you to know that we need to understand that God is the answer to the world, to the entirety of the problem. We've got to come to the place that we stop assigning the problem to a political party. I don't want to get political tonight, but I've got to say, too many of God's people have begun to do that, thinking that if a certain person is in the White House, that things are going to be moral and better. It's not the White House that's going to provide the change that needs to be in the United States of America. It's not going to be found in the White House. Somebody tell me where it's going to be found. In God's house. It's going to be found in this house. I don't want to be reactive to what people that most of them do not show the signs of being regenerated. Uh, most of the people making decisions for us in this country are not giving God any praise and God any glory. 
I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. I don't think that that matters much in the economy of what God's doing. It might be a little more conservative on one side of the aisle or the other. But baby, if we're waiting on the aisle to change before we see the God that we need to see delivered in the house and in the houses and in the families, we're going to have to get it in ourselves and bring it to the church and the house of God. Daryl and I were talking the other day. And I don't talk about this kind of stuff with too many people. But my son and I were talking. And you know when your boy wants to talk about God, you do that. And you take great pleasure in it. And we were talking about (laughs) the unbelievable stuff that we hear. And it's said with the intentions of us believing it. And every now and then, y'all, I'll be listening to that. And I'll make the statement. I said, Do they really believe that? Adolf Hitler said one time, he might have said it more than once, I just heard that he said it. He said, if you tell the lie long enough and loud enough, they'll believe it. We must be insulated, church, against the lies that come in the natural so that they don't invade the spiritual. Because as a man thinketh in his heart. And so we have to go at another level of faith in order to rise above the rhetoric and the things that we hear. A hundred years ago, faith in God most definitely had its place. But in the life we live in today, a lot of times people don't put much value in faith. Uh, They'll tell you, you you going to believe that Jesus junk? You, that ain't nothing but a crutch. And I told a guy one time, well, if Jesus is a crutch, you just watch me. You just watch me hobble to my blessing because I'm going there. How many's going to go with Jesus all the way, no matter what it looks like, to anybody else? So there, there's some doubts that come to our mind whether we will recover. How many has ever wondered, is our country too far gone to recover? Got quiet in here. Even the air conditioning quit. We doubt whether we have it in us to recover. And I feel rather certain that if we do recover, it won't be our fault. But it'll be the hand of God. I think we're going to have to reach a place in my faith that's bigger, that's longer, that's further, that's deeper, that's stronger, 
at another level that we're going to have to condition ourselves to move our faith so that we can stay in front of where the Scripture tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. In order for that to stay true in our lives today, we're going to have to go from one glory to the next glory, from one level to the next level, or we'll be caught trying to fight today's problems with yesterday's anointing. I need a greater anointing. We need a greater anointing. We must have a a greater anointing to meet the needs of the people that come into our churches. We have to lose the idea of standing for the truth is equated to hate speech. If we listen to the, the other side, which is the enemy, I'm not talking politically now, I'm talking about the spirit that drives it then we will become subject to. And we need to come to the place that we can recognize evil, recognize wrong, uh, begin to have, Jesus said, walk wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Because I don't want our church to be the church on the side of the highway that serves jambalaya and gumbo and that kind of stuff and, 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 and helps other people, which all of that's wonderful and good. But there must be an anointing that is present in the church to meet and address the problems that the world has succumbed to. There's, there's people now, they, they, they think because of the way they think, and you know, I, I've thought this. Y'all, y'all, don't, y'all don't throw nothing at me now. I, I, I'm not void of imagination, and I usually think stuff that gets me in trouble, but here I go. There's some truth in the fact that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I believe that works both ways. There's some people that have convinced themselves that was born a boy that they're a girl. And they're conflicted about it. And they are trying to conflict everybody else about it. And they're trying to, if we don't think that they're after our children, then we've got our head in the sand. And we need to raise our head up above that sand and realize we're going to have to walk at another level of faith. Just last week, I was listening and reading and all of a sudden, I come across this thing where this, this man, well, I, I can't say that. Uh, uh, this person was, he gave five, this person gave five uh, steps, rules that you need to follow if you're going to allow your children to make up their mind about what they're going to be. So here's the irony of it. The devil always overplays his hand. Here's y'all, y'all please don't think I'm, I'm crazy. I'm telling you, we have to walk at another level of faith so we hear differently than everybody else. So this, this person, 
is saying that when a, a child is born and it's, it's born a male, and then they said, but we can't say that it's a male. They said the first thing you do is you do not throw a gender reveal party because a gender reveal party will begin to prejudice everybody else's mind around as to what they are. Now you just can't get any stupider than that, I thought. But the next thing he did told me, yeah, you can. So he goes like this. He says, well, he said, and after you do that, he said, when the child is four years old, you start, if it's a boy, you give them female hormones. And if it's a girl, you give them male hormones. And I'm sitting there thinking in my truck, wait just a minute. How do you know which hormone to give them if you're not willing to identify who God created them to be? You know, sometimes this just gets past logic. It gets past ability to understand. And you have to think to yourself, where are we in this world? And then he went on and gave a couple more things. And here's, here's the kicker, and I'll end with this. About this <laughs> he goes like this. He said, so once, once that is, is done, and they're confused about what they are, then you give them back the hormone they were born with so it completely confuses their system so that they cannot even tell or determine within themselves what they are. Now, why did I take 10 minutes to say that? Amen. We have to come to the understanding church that if anything turns this around, it's going to believe it's going to be the believer working, operating, and being at another level of faith than we were raised in. You say, well, pastor, can, our, can, can we walk at another level of faith? Did Jesus' disciples ask him? Increase our faith. Can I get somebody to come to the keyboard? And Rhonda, if you don't mind, come with her. If y'all don't mind, I, I, I asked my wife to come. Is that good? Now, if you, if you want to come, you please come on. I mean, you know, yeah, okay. Yeah, you look like you got your hands full back there anyway. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be rude, but she, she, she can tell more about me than I can sometimes. So what do we do? In 1834... There was a man by the name of Edward Moot penned this, these words. He started like this. He said, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Is there anybody in here that your hope is built on Jesus' blood and righteousness? Would you go ahead and stand with me? He said, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And then he said, on Christ the solid rock I'll stand. Somebody say this with me. All other ground is sinking sand. What does all other ground mean? It means all other ground. 
If we're not standing in the hope of Christ Jesus, if I'm not walking at another level of faith, if my anointing that God has given to me is not more equal or more than what is coming against us, then I need to say, Father, increase my faith. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holes within the veil when all around my soul gives way he then is all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand could I get you to say that on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sound when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him trust be found dressed in his righteousness alone (laughs) faultless to stand before the throne I want everybody in this room tonight to begin to look at your faith can I ask you a couple of questions Are you in contact with your faith? Are you led by your faith? Are you driven by your faith? Do you operate by your faith? Does your faith cause you to step out of safe places into places that you wouldn't normally stand? But because of your faith, how many in this room have been in a place before that you chose to believe? You had no reason to believe. There was no evidence for you to believe. There was no reason for you to think that it was going to be different. But you stepped out on your faith. You took a step where you thought somebody else might have thought you're going to sink, Peter. But he said, is this you? I think it's time for us, y'all to start looking and recognizing those special moments in our life that come our way every day and step out in faith. Can I tell you that sometimes, I know you pastors know this, but you know, how many of y'all realize that sometimes it's the most inopportune time that you have to take that step of faith? You know, the other night, Melissa and I, after our prayer meeting on Monday night, we uh, they had a young lady. I don't know how she ended up there, but I was turning the air conditioners off. I was tired. I was ready to go home. And all of a sudden, I looked at her, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart. So I walked over there to her, engaged her in conversation. Before she left there, conviction had, had gripped her, had set in. She reached in her purse and she pulled out two large bottles of opioid. Bad, bad stuff. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I've got to do this and set it down on the altar. Are we operating in a level of faith that conviction will push past those things? Are we operating in a level of faith to where you see somebody in a, in a homosexual lifestyle, they start coming to your church. 
you start preaching the word and, and not pulling any punches and, and just being loving and understanding and, and, and loving them. And her testimony was, you know why I come to this church? She told one of the young ladies of the church. She said, because your mom and dad love me. Can I tell you something? Went through the time that she needed to go through. She stands on our platform now and plays her guitar and sings to God and worships because she's been set free. Now, how many pastors in this room want a challenge right now? Just You have to be brave. You don't even know what it is. So you have to raise your hand in the dark. Here's a challenge. Sometimes finances are a challenge. How many of y'all look at me and say, yeah, Wes, I guarantee you, church, sometimes finances are a challenge. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to be cute, and I'm not trying to rhyme. I'm not trying to do none of that. I'm just telling you, I'm one beggar telling another beggar where I found bread. 20 years ago, I realized that I couldn't sell enough red beans and rice to finance the vision God placed in me. We have not passed an offering plate in Revival Temple in over 20 years. Y'all heard me. It's been over 20 years that we've passed an offering plate. Somebody asked me, how do you finance everything you do? Go ahead, somebody ask. You sow into something bigger than yourself. Sow into world missions. Sow into home missions. Sow into something bigger than yourself. Sow into this ministry. So into Barnabas ministry. And you watch and see what God begins to do. I got to give you a couple of testimonies. I've had people, whenever I was getting ready for a missions conference one time, I was $75,000 short of what I needed to, to see this thing happen. My secretary comes in, she says, Here's these checks. Do you, you, we're $75,000 short. What you want to do? How many knows that you have to step up in another level of faith? We didn't go to the bank. We didn't borrow it from nobody. I said, lay the checks down. She laid the checks down. I signed them. I signed them. With tears dripping off my chin, I signed them. And I pushed them away from me. In 10 minutes, that woman right there walked in my door and she said, well, so-and-so just called and said they knew it won't come back and chat for a minute. We was getting ready for a mission conference. I didn't have time to chat. The Holy Spirit said, you need to take time to chat. So I said, all right, tell them to come on. So they came in. They sat there and did, we did. We chatted for about 10 minutes. And he goes like this. He said, well, the real reason I come, he said, I've got a check for you. He said, and this is for you. You can have it. You can give it to the church. You can give some of it to the church. You can keep it for yourself. It's for you here. And he shoved it across the desk. 
And so I'm sitting there looking at it. And finally I said, I don't want to be rude, but can I look at it? He said, yeah, you can look at it. I opened it up. It was a check for $75,000. I knew none of that was mine. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? I knew none of that belonged to me. But that's the faithfulness of a God that said, you sow and I'll you'll receive. You give to my house. You give to something greater than yourself and I'll, I'll give it back to you. So what does that look like in real time? I walk around looking for somebody. I told Melissa when we left here last night, I said, I don't know how long I can stay. I didn't give all my money away. But you know what that's going to do? It's going to come back in good measure, running over, pressed down, and shaken together. Somebody say another level of faith. See, this ain't cute faith I'm talking about now. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. in this room that pastors a church I need you to come around the front right now I believe with all my heart that God is going to take us to another level of faith tonight I could go back up here and I could go back to a few more pages and I could name some stuff but I want you to name your stuff what is it in your life right now that you need to go to another level of faith. Can you think of it? Is there something that you are waiting for God? I was sitting in my room this afternoon and I started to give myself to this. And this is what I began to write. I want you to stir up faith. You have shed enough tears, but your tears are getting ready to give way to joy. The Lord said, this is your season. This is your time. That the door that's been standing in front of you is about to open. The prayer that you've been praying, the dream that you've been dreaming, the time that you've been moving towards, get ready, get ready, get ready that the healing that you've been praying for, that the raise you've been needing, the child that been, you've been languishing over, that door 
is only opened by faith. And it's going to open at another level of faith, says the Lord. This is your time. This is your season. Knock and you shall be open unto you. Can I challenge you to go ahead, symbolically begin to knock on that door. Knock on that door and say, God, I'm knocking on the door right now. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Till my knuckles bleed, I'm knocking, God. Some of us need to see a genuine miracle in our life. You can pray for healing, but you touch God and you get your miracle. Open the doors, Lord. Open the doors, Lord. Take us from one level of faith to another level of faith. Ah, in the scripture, in the scripture, there was a there was a, a story about a man that was paralyzed and he was brought to Jesus. And the Lord looked at them and said, Your sins be forgiven. And then he told him to take up his bed and walk. Another time, there were some people that brought a man to Jesus, but they couldn't get in for the press, for the trouble, for the trials, for the struggle, for the everyday mundane things that was going on that was keeping them from getting that man to Jesus. Now watch this. The Bible said that they went up and tore away the roof. I'm telling you, that's another level of faith right there. Most of the time, we acquit at the easy parts over. But I'm telling you to go to another level of faith, to see the miracles of God, to see the doors open that you need open, to see those things that are moving only God can move is going to come at another effort, another level of faith. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not the work that we put in to get to Him. It's just an indicator of I've got to get God's attention. And I'll do whatever I have to do to get His attention. Because Jesus said this. Y'all know what He said. He said, Jesus looked up. He said, and when He saw their faith. I want to end with this tonight. The most valuable things that we can surround ourselves with, y'all are other people that are full of faith. I'm telling you, you need to check your inventory of friends. And if they're not willing to tear a hole in the roof for you, then you'll remain in the place that you've always been. May every one of you find yourself surrounded with a group of friends that are more faithful than you that have greater levels of faith. I look to hang out with people that have more faith than me. If I see somebody that they're operating in a particular gift or something, I'm not coveting their gift. I'm just saying, God, you said you'd give it to me too, so come on with it over here. I'll tear a hole in the roof. I'll get up at four in the morning. I'll miss a meal touch me with that 
level of faith. 